Iowa's News Now Sports has your all-access pass to all things Hawkeyes. This is Eye on the Hawks, sponsored by University of Iowa Healthcare. My, my dad told me, like, make sure you stop and smell the roses, and uh, I, I don't think I did. Uh, I was just trying to make sure we didn't, you know, give up more than four yards of play. Uh, <laughs> And you don't think Jay Higgins looks at the stats. 3.99 yards per play for Iowa in 2023. Welcome to our Citrus Bowl preview edition of Eye on the Hawks. Mitch Fick, Owen Sebring, Mike Howell here. Thanks to everybody who's been watching either for the first 15 seconds of this one or all year long. What a ride it's been to launch this thing and get going. Almost 400 followers on Twitter, which we'll take that since we started with zero three or four months ago. Good stuff there. Uh, thanks to everybody who's watching on the Iowa's News Now YouTube channel. Of course, that's where you can watch all our episodes, all our live streams, along with everything else we're doing on the news and weather side of things. And of course, you got the Iowa's News Now Instagram page as well with uh, all the clips that Mike puts together and uh, everything else that's shot on the field and all the interviews and everything like that. So again, thanks to everybody who's been supporting from the beginning or if you're just hopping on for some bowl preview stuff. How is everybody's Christmas? We really have it. We've all been back in the office a couple of days, but haven't really had a chance to like sit down and catch up. Yeah, I had COVID, so mine wasn't yeah. very great. Right. It seems like it's going around a lot. We have, you know, There's like nine different things going around. Yeah, I know. It's, it's like all those flu, illnesses. cold. There's winter allergies. We just said, I, today years old, yesterday years old, and I found out winter allergies was a thing I didn't know. Oh, yeah. We ran that in the five o'clock that I produced, but no, yeah. Other than that, it was it was great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. I, I feel like this December really did fly by this year. December normally goes by like just any other month, but I think that I was just enjoying some time off. You know, I, I left town for a little while. I, I hadn't had consecutive days off since mid-August pretty yeah. much. And so um, I wanted to go out uh, to see my grandma who lives outside of Colorado Springs. So I made a road trip out to Colorado for a few days and spent some time out there, um, did Christmas with the family. Then after I got back, um, so we celebrated on the 23rd and 24th. And then I've just been back hanging out here, putting together a whole... Bowl special for Eye on the Hawks. It's going to be airing on Thursday yeah. and Sunday, and it, I think. Yeah, and it, it, it is crazy kind of just the football season. I can't imagine being a player or a coach just because, just you know, we do the podcast twice a week. I'm, our schedule is not as busy as the players and coaches, <laughs> but I can't imagine their, their schedule is just all football all the yeah. time, and it probably wears on you after four months. And on top of that, it sounds like the team had to – Sit on the tarmac at CID for an extra three and a half hours or so yesterday before taking off for, for Orlando. They're just wrapping up, uh, I think, their first practice there in Florida right now. It sounds like uh, some of the media that's already there getting to talk to, to players. Mike's got some video we'll, we'll show you of the, the team boarding the plane. This was around 10 o'clock yesterday morning. They were supposed to take off around 11. Tons of flight delays all around the country, really a, a lot in Florida as well yesterday. So that 11 a.m. flight ended up not leaving CID until like 2.44. They didn't get to, to Florida till right around six o'clock local time. But uh, a lot of talk about that quarter zip from Phil Parker right there. For those that are watching on the YouTube channel, the white script Iowa. Kids would say it's uh, fresh. Fresh, quite fresh. Have we ever ruled out that it wasn't a saboteur wearing orange and white? I don't know, but also if you're watching on the YouTube channel, I had a few people point out the, uh, the subtle, their words, uh, dip down to Cooper Jean, crutchless, walking onto the plane. I felt bad. I was still in the uh, the CID waiting area when the freshmen, the true freshmen that aren't playing, that are probably redshirting, were getting on, and there was some some freshmen there crutching up those stairs, and I do not envy that. That, that clip got long. some play on social media, too, of uh, Brian Ferentz walking in. <laughs> yeah, so Brian uh, 
with the team, obviously. Uh, there was some talk last week during availability about, you know, he's he's going to be looking for another job, maybe looking for another job right now already in the process. Uh, but uh, if he was going to get a job, would he still be with the team? Obviously he is, so one more ride. Uh, I couldn't imagine him leaving mid-bowl prep for it, but... There's that, and of course, uh, once they touched down in Orlando, the big news from Jay Higgins finally dropped. We were wondering what the son of Roy and Roy himself, Roy the Fourth, would do for 2024, and he's coming back. A pretty simple post uh, on social media that just said, I got more to prove, and Jay Higgins and his 155 tackles so far in 2023 will return in 2024, a team captain, first team All-Big Ten, a lot of All-American honors, uh, asked him, Jay, last week just about his reflections on 2023. And you heard him say his dad had told him to stop and smell the roses, hadn't had time to do that, has had some little time uh, to do so after Indy. And so here's Jay on what his thoughts were on waiting and waiting and waiting for a chance in Iowa and then just rolling out and having the fourth most tackles in a single season so far in Hawkeye history and all the accolades that have come with it. I feel like it's. Uh, I feel like everything's been moving fast. Uh, but this this last month between the Big Ten and you know what where we're at now, everything slowed down for me. Um, and just a real appreciation for what our team has done over this year. Uh, just proud of myself and obviously uh, what I what I did this year. And I understood it was a long road to get to where I'm at. And you know I'm appreciative for every every uh, roadblock that was in my way to help me. That's quintessential Jay Higgins there, isn't it? Thankful for the roadblocks. And some of those roadblocks were just Jack Campbell's really good at football. <laughs> and he wasn't going to start over Jack Campbell, who now is part of the NFC North champs up That's there right. with uh, Sam Laporta. And Matt Nelson's been on IR, but boy, uh, a couple, a uh, few Hawkeyes there helping the Lions do their thing. And now Jay gets his chance. And now Jay is doing anything and everything. And Still feels like he has more to prove, hence the uh, the return there you saw. And his dad, of course, was one of the first commenters on it. Yeah. I don't think Roy Higgins knew what Jay was going to do definitively until that post. He uh, shot me a text that just said, wow, listen to his dad again. Yeah. Like, okay, <laughs> so you didn't know, Roy. I, um, I, I don't know if they just like, if the Iowa social media team just asked Jay on the flight, can we tweet they had this some time out? to kill, yeah. And or what's the story? I am interested when he knew because yeah. as of like Christmas, as far as I know, family didn't know. Hmm. Um, so I don't know if it was a case of on the plane he says something and they have something like that readily available. I mean, the the flight creative team does a pretty good job just throwing anything and everything together really, yeah. really quick. But yeah, I'm, I'm wondering when he told them and yeah, the process of when that graphic gets put together and everything. And boy, uh, David Eichel just tweeted the gif of Domino's falling after, after that announcement was made. And as I look through the list, I think we're going to get into of the guys who could potentially stay or go from this Hawkeye defense, especially, I'm like, I just don't know how many guys I see on there that would decide to leave. I think that Jay Higgins is the linchpin of that defense. With him coming back, a team captain returning for another season, I think a lot of these guys are going to want to come back and play alongside him. And we're going to hear from him also later in the in the pod about uh, Iowa just never has a ton of guys opt out of games. Yeah. You know, uh, Tyler Goodson, I think a few years ago, did they even play? Was that the 21? Was that 
That was the Citrus Bowl in 21. Yeah, that was Citrus Bowl. And yeah, yeah, that's when uh, LeSean Williams and Gavin Williams uh, showed up. Uh, yeah, out. sure. And then uh, Kayvon did Kayvon, last year. Yeah, which Jay mentions in his bite, but it just doesn't happen a whole lot. And we'll talk about what's happening with Tennessee because it is happening a whole <laughs> lot there in Knoxville. But, yeah, we have plenty of Jay Higgins video because when you have 155 tackles and a fumble recovery and an interception, yeah, hi- highlights are not, you know, actually, not hard to come by. It's You know, to fans out there who... Obviously, I've never like worked a sideline and in shot video. It is kind of weird when I did it a few times this year, because a lot of the tackles are like two yard gains, and you know we won't even save them. Mm-hmm. He made so many tackles. Yeah. yeah. So like, the, it, it is hard to like point out. Oh, when I after I'd go through the the plays, I'm like, wait, where are my Higgins tackles? He for, had twelve. Sure. For, for having 155 tackles, we have surprisingly few actually yeah. Jay, Higgins tackles in our in our archiving system. Just yeah, not as not. A lot were as impressive as the one, if you're watching on the YouTube page, as the one you just saw right now. A lot were just like assisted tackles, ones that he just kind of came in there at the last second with a big scrum of people and was in there on the tackle. Yeah, Important it, tackles, but not like, yeah. you know, stuff that you'd put in the highlight package for 10 if we only have like a minute of, high, of, of highlights, you know? For yeah. sure. I, you know, we were, again, just watching all those on the YouTube channel, and he had 18 against Utah State. We saw one in there. We maybe saved one or two others. Because, <laughs> yeah. again, it's just – it's. It's productivity. He's one of those guys that his quote-unquote highlight reel might not have these bombastic plays. He's got the interception against Purdue. He's got the fumble recovery against Wisconsin. But in terms of just like even just like hard-hitting tackle, you know, the the one he had on the goal line at Northwestern, there's six other guys around him, so you don't get that full like great visual. Mm-hmm. But the stat sheet don't lie. <laughs> that was a great play highlight too, but you can't really see it from the, the field angle. It's, you see it's more Kyler Fisher on the backside yeah. kind of finishing things up. And again, you've got this swarm, no pun intended, of Hawkeyes <laughs> all around just because in a goal line stand, you're not going to get a whole lot of good ISOs. But you brought it up. There's a whole list here of guys who have decisions to make. We know Nick DeYoung's already made his decision. He'll come back for his sixth year. Kirk has talked about him being maybe the most versatile offensive lineman they had. He plugged in for Jennings Dunker during the the Big Ten championship game at right tackle, but he's going to come back for another one. Uh, I believe Pella Native uh, coming back. Yep. So great to have Nick in there. Speaking of another Nick who, uh, according to Brad Heinrichs with Swarm, has gotten an NCAA waiver approved to come back after missing a big chunk of his last year at Virginia. Nick Jackson, partner in crime there in the linebacking core, has the decision. So we're going to go through this list. Stay or go. We'll start with Nick Jackson, who I imagine wouldn't have applied for a waiver if he wasn't considering coming back. What do you guys think? Is Nick Jackson with the Hawkeyes in 20? Which uh, we should address that, like, I had just totally ruled him out because I knew he had played so – I mean, he'd played for sure the way beyond the minimum – in each of his seasons, but um, Mike, you pointed out the reason why he was able to. Yeah, it, it was a Hawkeye Insider article I was reading yesterday because we were going back and we were looking at the games played, and it was like over the what four game minimum or whatever it was. Yeah. He was, it, according to this report, it, it was he was given it to because he his season in twenty twenty one or was it last year? It was last year, ended early because of that shooting that killed three football players. Yeah. So, I think the waiver and nothing's like come out from. Iowa football, it's, that's all, it's all from Brad Heinrichs, right, that report? I believe that's, that's the one that people are yeah. citing. Yeah. So it'd be like a hardship waiver that he, right. his season ended early because of that, Yeah, which that, is tragic. Exactly, yeah. But um, I have to think, though, to Mitch's point, that if Nick applied for that waiver, then he's got to be coming back. I mean, he's a guy who I think could play in the NFL one day. He's not going to be, I mean, maybe his ceiling might be, you know, six-round draft pick, something like that. Um, but I, so I think that he for sure would come back next year. I'd be shocked if he decides to go. He's a guy too that really 
bought into the program. You could tell from talking to him all year that he, it seemed like he, I wouldn't say had an epiphany, but really enjoyed his time here and enjoyed his coaching. So it wouldn't yeah, surprise me, especially if you apply for it, why wouldn't you use it? I'm sure he'd like to have a full year at Iowa. He's been here since August, yes. which is wild to think about. Nick Jackson, who ended up, as we were kind of hoping, we saw what he did with the Cavs and an all-ACC quarterback. He's on campus for three months and he's got all Big Ten accolades and Again, yeah, I mean, the bond he's seemed to make with everybody and the, the respect he keeps talking uh, for Coach Ferens and, and the entire staff, and he's gained that and, and grown and, and found a home in 12, 16 weeks' time, you know. takes longer to recover for some injuries uh, than more of the time than he's been able to find a home in Iowa. So I agree, I think, especially with Jay coming back, him already applying for the waiver and reportedly getting it, I think Nick Jackson returns as well. Sebastian Castro, another one of those all Big Ten uh, honorees. He's got a great decision, man. We were talking about how great he looked in the Music City Bowl. Hey, like maybe this guy will be a, a factor in 2023. Has he ever missed a tackle? If he gets one little, like, the top of the shoestring, he can make that tackle. Uh, Sebastian Castro's got a decision to make. Do you think he's back in 2024? This one's tough because I think he... I think he could. He's a definite NFL player, and I don't know where the mocks are, are having him. If it's like, you know, middle middle rounds, but I honestly think he could be an impact player at the next level. Um, but I think it's you know, I don't want to say fifty fifty, but it could. I could see it going either way. Some of these guys in the secondary, it's tough to say, and and again, it'll take maybe one more domino to fall before they make their decision on who, when to return, but. It would not at all surprise me to see Sebastian return. I'd say I'd be like at maybe 75% thinking that he comes back for another year. I think that he, as as much as he proved to people this year, I think that he feels like he could improve his draft stock even more with one more season where he could maybe vault up to a first or second round pick with another great season like he had this season. And there was talk about him potentially getting snubbed for some Big Ten honors. He might feel slighted by that, feel like he wants to come back and potentially prove people wrong and get some first-team honors. I'm probably right in between you guys. I think like 60-40. Like I think he'll come back, but I wouldn't be shocked at all if he left just because I don't know if it's just you watch the film and it's that it factor thing of dude doesn't miss tackles. He hits so friggin' hard. It's just all the – like it. there were so many times you watched him, particularly that Wisconsin game where you're like, he's an NFL player, where it's just those moments. It's He has more highlight, highlight real quote-unquote plays mm-hmm. than, than Jay – despite Jay being immensely more productive, partially because of his position and everything. But you just watch Seb's tape, and it just, there's that flash you look at. Yeah, with the, with the tape, too, you, you could see him, like, good and a good uh, pro day or, or combine day yeah. and leaping, like, a, cu- a couple rounds. That, he could be one mind. of those guys for sure that, yeah, if he puts up the certain measurables of the stopwatch times that people are looking for, all of a sudden, like, Sebastian That don't really matter, but... <laughs> it doesn't matter, but... Boy, <laughs> we've, we've got four months to fill before this yeah. draft. You know people are going <laughs> to talk about it. Another dude in this secondary, Jamari Harris, misses all last year from an injury, missed the first couple of games this season because of uh, the gambling probe. Came in and, and did Jamari Harris things. He was playing as good as anybody at the end of 21. Is he back for 2024, a kid who turned 23 in the middle of the season? Does he come back and celebrate his 24th birthday in black and gold as well? I feel like I'd be a little surprised to see him go as well. I, I don't think that maybe he did quite as much as he th- had hoped he would this year, and I think... Similar to my argument with Sebastian, I think that he could really improve his draft stock a lot by coming back next season. Yeah, I agree. I think the only thing, like you mentioned, he's, he's getting kind of up there. I don't know if he thinks... A lot of these guys are, too. Yeah, for That's a college just, kid, 23 is not... When you're going to have six years in the scheme of things, yeah. old. But, like, 
if you're looking at potential earnings and, and if you want to test out and you think you got the talent, I don't know who's advising all these players to. Um, but yeah, it, I would, it would surprise me if he didn't come back. I, uh, I'm the same boat. I think you miss a whole year and, and you get a chance to come back and, you know, maybe the numbers don't absolutely pop, but he was it's Jamari Harris. I mean, mm-hmm. Again, he was playing as good as anybody on that Hawkeye defense in 21. Uh, yeah, I expect him. He'd be back, too, uh, to, to keep proving things up. Uh, Quinn Schulte, who was available at practice in Orlando today, according to John Steppe, says he has not made a decision he'll wait until after the bowl. But Quinn Schulte, your quintessential walk-on safety from a parochial school in Iowa who earns a scally and becomes an all-Big Ten performer, uh, academic all-Big Ten as well. I know his dad, as much as he loves seeing him, thrive on the football field, likes the classroom stuff more. Do you think Quinn Schulte comes back or does he start working on that pre-dental degree and, and go on that route? Or <laughs> again, this is a guy who is going to get in an NFL camp whenever he decides to. This is another one of those guys, maybe the main guy that I think about when I, when I talk about those dominoes falling with Jay Higgins, where I think that Jay coming back, and I think even just with one more guy comes back, I think that Quinn loves the guys on this defense enough that he would feel so much FOMO if he decides to move on without getting a chance to play one more go-round with this defense. So I, I would be pretty surprised if we don't see Quinn back with the Hawkeyes next year. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, You never know what's in these kids' heads, too, especially the older kids who have been there for five, you know, and this would be their sixth year. Um, that's right, right? He, he, this would be his sixth year if he came back? I think. Or I'm— I'm not sure, but yeah. not, not to put, that, you'd think I'd know that. But it, it's one of those. It'd be fifth or sixth, and that's a long time in college. So you never know, like if they want to come back. I think it'd be great for this team. I know they got some young guys behind him. Cohen's behind him, right on the on the depth chart. Yeah, and he made a heck of a play in the Big Ten title game. So, um, you know, you'd like either one of those. Obviously, Quinn starting two years. That's would be a huge help to this defense going into the new Big Ten next year. So. He did um, redshirt in 19, so this would be his, yeah. his sixth year, his fifth year back. Uh, it'll be interesting. His, his brother's in law school right now, so I know, uh, again, the Schultes are well-known for their athletic prowess, but they are some real smart kids, too. Both their parents are lawyers. Dwayne's got his law degree. People forget that. <laughs> money so, uh, making, money, money making. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, so they're in, in good shape there. I believe, now I've lost my spot. Kyler Fisher. Kyler next. Fisher. Yeah, of course we're staying on the defense. Kyler, just unsung hero. There's always one linebacker that kind of gets lost in the shuffle because you've got two elite level ones. All he does is keep rolling out, some rotation with Castro there and some other guys, and just uh, another guy who has been super productive. We've known his name for a while because uh, he made some big special teams plays mm-hmm. as, as a, a younger guy, but does Kyler Fisher come back for, for one more go? Because everybody else is... This would <laughs> be interesting, and... I don't know Kyler at all, and I just think in, if your two main linebackers who are getting like 10 tackles a game come back, and, and he does play that third linebacker, but a lot of times, you know, Iowa plays with uh, Castro in there as like a 50 DB slash, you know, safety. But I wonder if he's, if, if it was me, I'd be like, I want to play more. I want to be that starting middle guy. I want to be, you know, so I wonder if he could use that and go somewhere else. I, I don't know. Personally, yeah. it doesn't seem like a lot of players on this team are those kind of guys that would go and and look, but I wouldn't hold it against him. Um, just opting out for more of a, because it'd be his last year. Mm-hmm. Hey, I want to be the star and the, at linebacker. And if you're bringing the two top linebackers back, it'd be hard for him to get over Nick Jackson and, and uh, Jay Higgins because they're so good. Yeah. 
He's a starter in his own right, too. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't see any way that Kyler's gone. I think that he for sure wants to come back and, and prove some things in his own right just because he has kind of been sitting behind guys. He, too, has been sitting behind. He just hasn't had a chance to step into that starring role um, so far on the defense. He's made some good plays, but just hasn't been the guy, and I think he'd like to put a little bit more tape together before he goes to the next level. He's what? got such a cool uh, recruiting story, too. I remember them mm-hmm. talking about this early in the season of, like, they went to some camp – looking maybe for somebody else, and he had these bright blue shoes on. They're like, who's this kid with the blue? Oh, he's and it was out of state. I think it was in Kansas, maybe Overland Park area. Hmm. Like, oh, he's, he's an Iowa kid. Let's go see what Kyler Fisher's about. And fun little recruiting stories like yeah. that. You, you go looking for one thing, you find another, and yep. you find a starter. That's a cool story. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> such, such a like, nice story, man. <laughs> um, a guy I thought was going to be a heck of a story, and he was really banged up this year as we finally moved to the offensive side of the ball. Dejon Parker brought all that experience from Saginaw Valley State. Again, was banged up. I asked Kirk about his his sentiment after the, the Illinois win to clinch the West that even though he wasn't playing a whole lot, still said, best decision of my life. Feels like he's got every opportunity and, and every reason to come back as well, even on an O-line that's probably going to have quite a few guys back as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these again, each one we go down, it's like, Without talking to him specifically, it's yeah, hard to tell. Know. I would say he comes back just because he's one of the guys that we thought preseason would get a lot more playing time and and uh, the offensive line to get better through the season, but it wasn't like at the level of Iowa offensive lines in the past. So I wonder if just all those guys coming back with ex- an added year of experience with more coaching that could rise to that elite level and, and maybe he gets in the rotation next year too more. Uh, I am totally out there with Dejan Parker. I just don't know what to expect. Uh, the, that tweet certainly was illuminating um, of how much he enjoyed being a Hawkeye this year. But with, gosh, with the amount of guys that Iowa brings back, I mean, Rusty Feth is gone. We know that. Um, so there's a chance for some movement to come around and for him to get a little bit more playing time. So we might see him uh, be, be that guy who steps in and does, does more on the offensive line. But I, I don't know. I'm, I'm about 50-50 on him, whether he comes back, whether he tries his professional hand or, or goes somewhere else even, maybe. Yeah, I, I, I'm probably too hung up on that sentiment after the Illinois game, but I feel like that's why he would come back. Rusty's moving. They'll have a, a rotation on the line, I'm sure. Uh, I have a feeling Dejan really likes being a Hawkeye, uh, more so than even just the, the tweet, so I would guess he, he comes back as well. Eric All. Was, was the offense for about a game and a half after Cade went out and uh, Lachey was out and then he gets hurt against Wisconsin. He's got another year left. He's been banged up the last couple of years, certainly coming back from a really rough-looking injury against the Badgers. But what do we think about Eric All returning possibly for hopefully a full year as a Hawkeye? There's a lot more question marks for me with these the two tight ends we're going to talk yeah, about. Yeah, lump them together. I'd, I was yeah. almost going to say that. Yeah. Um, I was just trying to do a little bit of research on some mock drafts, just what people are saying right now for the 2024 draft. Um, and there are not a lot of Hawkeyes in there. All the guys we've just talked about didn't see a single one in the mock draft. But Eric All and Luke Lachey were in there. Not terribly high. Lachey on one mock draft I saw, like, in the 75 range. So, like, what, that would be early third round. Yeah. Um, and All was down there, you know, maybe in the fifth to sixth round range. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I mean, Eric, I, th- I think I heard that he has a child. I think he's a father. Yep. Um, uh, little boy's a little over a year old. And so uh, he's certainly a guy who 
would have a little bit more incentive to want to move to the NFL and try to make a little bit more money just having a family wanting to make a living for them. Um, but there has to be so much excitement behind these guys on the offense for knowing that Cade McNamara is going to be back, knowing that maybe, I mean, David Eichel shed a little bit of light on this, that he, he seems pretty sure that all three of the running backs are going to be back next year. Yeah. A lot of the O-line back, a new offensive coordinator coming in. There's a lot of excitement around what that offense could bring next year, and so I would think that maybe both of those guys would want to be a part of that next year. Yeah, I'm, I'm unsure about Eric Hall. I think if we're talking Luke Lachey, I think I'm more maybe he'd want to come back more. He'd be that number one tight end. And if he, I think if he played a full season, he would have been in the Mackey Award discussion mm -hmm. probably just because he was the entire offense when he was in it mm -hmm. um, in the first few weeks and just put that over, you know, 10 games. I think Eric Hall, didn't he end the season with the most reception yards? Yo, <laughs> Even he didn't play leader, half the, yeah. uh, the whole season. Uh, but I was listening to Lystico and, and Dr. Min um, last week and they were breaking down how many scholarships are available. Mm -hmm. And I think the way they crunch the numbers, they think that they only have room for like one of the tight ends. Mm -hmm. Like there'd be way too many time at tight ends on the on the roster, not way too many, just one too many. Um, so they kind of predicted that only one would come back. So um, I don't know what the exact scholarship, you'd think that they'd make room for these guys, but when you promise recruits are coming in and yeah. stuff like that, there is a hard cap. So. I'm not crunching the numbers. I'm not smart enough to do that stuff, but that's just what I've read. So to me, when I'm looking at it, I think one of them comes back, but I don't, I don't see a scenario where both of them come back. It's got to be so tough for Eric to, you know, I imagine a big reason why he comes to Iowa, aside from the fact that they do really well with their tight ends, is that Cade comes here, and then you get five games together, mm -hmm. four and a half, really. Mm -hmm. uh, it's brutal. So it's as much as it, I, I agree with you guys that it probably – makes the most sense that out of him and Luke, he'd be the more likely one to leave because of everything that's been discussed. And to come to Iowa City and have all that excitement and hype and then get four and a half games, four games and a quarter with the guy who was kind of the catalyst for you coming here in the first place, be really, really tough. And yeah, the scholarship math and everything seems, that's, yeah, a lot in the weeds. <laughs> we don't, it we don't it is way to too much in the weeds. And all that. Um, who knows if the next, like, whoever the offensive coordinator. If sure, they, they, yeah, like, and we'll talk about that here they, too. It certainly helps, I think, for guys who want to see that draft stock right, rise. Um, just how well Sam Laporta has done this year. I mean, I, I feel like a lot of NFL GMs are going to see, like, geez, I mean, the Lions just kind of took a flyer on this guy, Laporta, in the second round. And... He was a second rounder, right? He was a second rounder. And and look what he's done this year. He's not the rookie of the year, but you know, certainly first team all rookie team. I mean, top five rookie of the year he candidates. He might be rookie of the year. Dude, CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud's been beat up though. He hasn't played the last few games. Yeah, he yeah, hasn't maybe. played the last few games. Oh really? You got it. And even with him in, I mean It wouldn't surprise me if they gave it to the quarterback though, just because they're a quarterback league. Uh, and I think he's coming back. He's he'd be top five, maybe top three. But no, but if regardless, if I think that, one, that it wouldn't surprise me. So just like when people are looking at Luke Lachey, it's like, oh, maybe he's a fourth round pick. But oh, what the hell? Sam Laporta is great. So why not give him a second round? Not pick? just him, but and, you know, Hawkinson just tore his ACL this week. But that just yeah. it sucks. But Hawkinson and Kittle and Fant starting tight end, like all three of those Iowa. I think there was the graphic that you know four of the top five yeah. tight ends and receiving yards in the NFL are all from yeah. Iowa. I can make a difference right away. I mean, <laughs> these guys are coming out and they're doing things their first year in the league. Sure. Well, how about Luke Lachey? Obviously, does his does his leg against Western Michigan uh, doesn't sound. He sounds like he's healing up well, but he's trying to get back to the bowl. Doesn't sound like that's going to happen. But 
does that bring him back for 2024? See, this one, I, I, I think he does. Yeah, really? I, yeah, I, I'm kind of the same. If he way. was still in the first round, I think it's different. Yeah, you said he was a, a third rounder. Uh, Locked. So, some yeah. even, yeah. I mean, that was like I saw him like around like with the combine. or so, something like that. Yeah, but yeah, I, I think he does come back and try to vault into that because I, I think he could get mm-hmm. into a you know a better spot next next year. There's just, I mean, the the theme that we're kind of talking around this whole time is just that, in spite of this being a ten win season. This team was, you know, held together with Gorilla Glue and duct tape by the end of things, and they still managed to win 10 games. And I think that a lot of those guys just have to be thinking, like, what if, you know, what if we stayed healthy? What if uh, Eric Allen, Luke Lachey, and Kate McNamara didn't go down? What if Cooper DeShane didn't get hurt late in the year? Like, what if, you know, we could have been maybe Big Ten champs? And so I think a lot of them are just thinking, like, okay, what if we really sell out for this whole team to come back next year? Um, and so, I mean, that, that could be what makes uh, Luke Lachey's decision and potentially somebody else we're going to talk about soon. Yeah, and let's get to Cooper DeGene. Before we uh, get into our decision of him, obviously he's already at folk hero status, for, both for plays that he has made and for plays that have been ruled invalid. But uh, he's getting to a point where he's being mentioned with the great not just the greatest, but maybe the great uh, of all time in, in Iowa City. The GOAT, I should say. I don't know how words work. But Cooper DeGene was asked about that uh, last week, and so was Phil Parker about just what he has meant. And the parallels were drawn, and I think you can kind of get the feeling that this is the kind of stuff that we haven't talked about with a Hawkeye in three quarters of a century. I, to be honest... You know, when I first committed here and, and got here, you know, I, d- I didn't even know if I could, you know, play at this at this level. Um, coming from a, a small small town school in, in Iowa, um, you know, but you know, I've, I've just tried to come in every day and, and work my hardest. You know, and, and I have great great coaches and teammates around me who've, who've helped me learn the game, you know, on a on a deeper level. To me, he's just one of a kind. He's really been a really good football player for us. And he has a lot of upside still to go. And I think he's, you know, you start talking about, I don't know about Niall Kinnick because I never saw him play. But this might be the 2023 version of Niall Kinnick. I don't know. Um, but I think he's a really good player and he's a really good person. One of my favorite parts about that was seeing Phil say that live and then everybody without a camera grabbing their phones. <laughs> Phil just <laughs> said Cooper is Niall. But, I mean, you're hard-pressed to think of any other comparison. That, that just, that's one of the most shocking sound bites I've heard out of the Hawkeyes this entire the season. The face he made, too. For those that didn't see the video where he, like, gives, like, this almost sheepish little look of just, like, <laughs> sorry, guys, <laughs> Phil Parker, I don't so, show any emotion other than indifference and rage. <laughs> Here's me sitting on the fence for a minute. But can you argue against him? I... I mean, I don't know if this was a recruiting tactic on Phil's part to, to say that. And He's playing check or, or a, a chess, right? Yeah, yeah, maybe like if I say this about Cooper, say enough nice things, that'll make him come back for another year. But have you have you guys ever heard anybody compare Denial Kinnick no. on, on the Iowa team? No. I mean, I don't, <laughs> that, I don't ever talk had, to anyone old, and Phil said he's never seen him play, but no, <laughs> I don't know anyone who's watched him play. But it just everything you read about him and the, the parallels of a kid from small town Iowa who comes in and does anything and everything, it's tough to not, to not think the same way. That, it's just, it's, 
it's almost eerie, the, the similarities. That was just really stunning to hear him say that. I mean, just because he is so, like, I mean, he, the coaches talk about sometimes, they even joke about, like, I'm saying too many nice things about this kid. I better, like, back yeah, the off guy, for a while. The guy who keeps forgetting Cooper's name, quote-unquote, <laughs> forgetting Cooper's name. But uh, listen, he, if Cooper decides to come back, he's got a shot. He was asked about, and he says he's heard and, and been told that of, getting a chance to be in the, the ring of honor or uh, in, inside the stadium. He's already got his picture as a, a unanimous All-American. If he comes back, he's immediately, I, in my opinion, a, a dark horse Heisman candidate, which is what we were talking about. He could have been if that Minnesota play counts. It'd be as big a recruiting get, quote-unquote, as you could possibly imagine, as big as Jay is, as big as any of these guys coming back. It, it, it'd be a transcendent thing because, again, he's he's at folk hero status right now just because of every little thing he does, scoring touchdowns when he doesn't play offense that much. He's got a couple snaps now, but yeah. he has the chance to be in that conversation with Niall more so than he is already, mm-hmm. which is just, again, he even said, you told him three years ago when you're the only one interviewing him on a track after COVID shuts everything down about a week after he commits, hey, you're going to be in the same breath as the guy the stadium's named after. <laughs> the guy they build statues of. The guy that has a school named after him in Japan. In Japan. Who uh, Mark Hamill went to that, uh, is that right? high school. Yeah. Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Everybody. Kubrick, same guy. Everybody that we've talked about so far, the, the idea for n- them coming back is kind of like, let's raise that draft stock and that argument can be made. Cooper right now, I mean, in all the draft boards I see is a top 20 draft pick. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I guess he could raise his draft stock a bit more. I mean, I don't know if anything he does could make him, you know, a, num- a top five draft pick. But he could go up, you know, to the top 10 or something like that. But overall, it's like what what more could you want than being a first round draft pick? And so that's he has the biggest biggest decision of anybody on this team just knowing what's at stake for him he's that, got the biggest on the line that's what it boils down to if he's going to come back or not i mean if you're a first round draft pick that's millions of dollars in bonuses right off the bat so like financially that's the smart play but some people have different priorities and that's totally fine and cooper is one of the kids and i, I don't know him very well i've only talked to him when he's at the or i've only heard him speak when he's at the podium he seems like this program matters to him, yeah. and that's where I could see him coming back. Yeah. And like you said, if he's could put get put on a you know whole different level if he comes back and has another season without getting hurt next year, um, I think his draft stock probably stays the same next year unless somehow you know he suffers another injury, which can always happen when you're playing football. Yeah. But that would be I at first when the season ended, I thought like ten you know two percent he's gone you know two percent coming back. But now, as the as this progressed, it seems more and more like, I don't know, maybe he could. ES, ESPN's latest mock does not have him in the first round. Really? From a couple of weeks ago, Matt Miller's. Wow. So I don't know if they know something or if the if the injury, if they're predicting that, stretches itself out so somebody hmm. gets a, a Sam Laporta-esque value pick in the second round of like, oh, well, this guy's still here and is immensely productive. We'll take him there. Uh, I really don't know, but... Yeah, uh, it's it's amazing how many incredible players have come through the Hawkeye program and how few are on the Ring of Honor. I mean, yeah. you know that that is a very very elite number of people that are on there, and and for Cooper DeGene to have a chance to come back and be like, dude, just just replicate what you did this year, and you don't even have to improve. Just do what you did this year, and you're on that Ring of Honor for certain. Um, you know, we we did the Hawkeye Top Seventy this last year, and it's like. Uh, you know, if we had done that two years from now, it's like Cooper DeGene could have been, 
again, even just now, he could have been a top 20 potentially person on there. Um, and if he comes back for one more year, could have been, uh, he could be one of the greatest Hawkeyes to, to ever suit up. So what's our think, or what's our thought? Is he back? I, I would say I am leaning more towards him coming back. I'd say I'm like 60% that he comes back. With Jay Higgins coming back, he's going to have a lot, Jay's of, recruit him, yeah. a lot of recruiters on that, on that <laughs> That's roster That's what this right whole now. trip to Orlando is. It just reminded me of that. I don't forget where we were, but I think it was after a game, and Jay was like, you guys won't you know, always doing Cooper stories, and I don't yeah, know what after, we're talking about. It was about. after Quinn's pick against Oh, Rutgers. that's right, that's right. You guys love a Cooper DeGene story. <laughs> Again, Golden Gavel Award winner Jay Higgins, by the way. That was cool for him to get that. That's the uh, award for a player that interacts with the media or is most open and, and generous with the media, I guess. Um, it was cool to see Jay get that. Yep. But yeah, we'll see. I'll be an optimist. I think he does come back. But then I have, like, all these players come back, so I don't know how that works out with um, all the scullies that they... Need to, but, but if Cooper DeJune decides to come back, they'll figure out the scallies. <laughs> no, not, not him, just the other nine yeah. guys we just I mean, thought. That's, that's the other thing, too, back. is like, if these guys want to come back, like, they'll figure out a way to make it work. Well, you know Cooper's signally I mean? already on the books because he's a junior. He's sure. Um, wow, well, what's your percentage? I, I'm, I'm probably where you are. I, he has the chance to become a legend, more so than he already is, and I think that's a... Money's going to be there. Mm-hmm. It's he's got something, a chance to do something really great, and I can't fathom him wanting to have his career end with a broken leg at practice. Yeah. That's just a tough way to go out. Sure. Also, in the same vein of Jay, maybe playing recruiter now. Cooper has spent a lot of time. We've got that video after the Illinois win of him and Cade coming off the field together. He has been side by side with Cade a lot. Saw him in Indy like that too. I bet Cade's doing the same thing. And it feels like that that bond is really, again, like trauma and injury has brought a lot of Hawkeyes together over the last few months. But it feels like Cade and Cooper have been really close because they've had to be on the sidelines there uh, the last few weeks, month or so. And I wonder if if Cade's really working to it, let the speculation begin about Cooper's role in the offense in 24 there too. But I, I wonder if, if Cade's doing everything he can to get Cooper DeGene back as well. So basically, we we think everybody's been, <laughs> everybody's got yeah. a shot. It'll be fun. Uh, it would have been different though if, if Jay didn't announce today. Yeah, I mean or, that's yeah. again dominoes. Yeah, as uh, as Colt would say, there it is. <laughs> uh, we'll take a break and then we'll talk about the uh, other recruiting job the Iowa Hawkeyes have to do in the off season after this. All right, we spent about forty minutes talking about the future decisions of a bunch of twenty somethings. So uh, we'll move in now to. The grown-ups and, and what they're doing on, on the, the coaching side. The search for offensive coordinator continues. The uh, job has been posted by the University of Iowa now for two weeks exactly. So that's the minimum it has to be up. We'll see if maybe uh, it gets taken down here. Kirk, though, last week talked about he's been focused on the game and the Citrus Bowl, trying to get a team to 11 wins, at least 11 wins for the fifth time ever in program history. He says he hasn't really done a whole lot on the recruiting side for the offensive coordinator position. Obviously, this will be Brian's last game there before he moves on to whatever is next for him. Uh, Here's Kirk for about a couple minutes last Monday talking about what he's done so far as well as discussing uh, and being asked by a couple guys about Paul Chris, the former Wisconsin head coach, and relationship there. He's been a name that's rumored as well as Joe Philbin, who some have even said it's more or less a done deal that the former Green Bay or the Green Bay Packers OC and Miami Dolphins head coach now uh, helping out with Ohio State if he'd be back. So here's Kirk on that whole spectrum of things as it comes to the OC search. 
but I've, I've made all three phone calls. I'll give you that uh, little tidbit, three phone calls so far. Hopefully get one more in this week. And then, um, you know, we'll really turn our attention to it when we get back here. Because, uh, you know, you got to have some face-to-face meetings and those kinds of things. But I feel really, based on what I know right as I stand here right now, I feel total confidence that we'll have a really good person here. And I think there's some strong interest from people that would make a lot of sense that really fit. And I think we'll fit what we need. And, um, yeah, so it, it's going to be, it's going to work out just fine unless, you know, unless the bottom falls out, it could always happen. Uh, but I'll promise you, too, there's going to be a new market of people out there in January. What's your relationship, February. What's your relationship with Paul Christ, respect level? Um, I've always had tremendous respect for Paul. Mm-hmm. I think it's publicly stated and, um, you know, I mean, he did an outstanding job at Wisconsin. Um, ironically, yeah, I mean, just, you know, he really did a great job and that's, yeah, since we got here 25 years ago, that's a team we've been chasing. Yeah, at that time, they were the champs, and we weren't. We're obviously not. So that's the program that we've really uh, aspired to try to, you know, com- compete with. And, you know, the good news is over uh, the last five years, you know, our, we've got more wins than they do, and I'm, I'm happy about that. You know, not, not that we can't do better, but, um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, I've always had great respect for Paul. He's a really good person. Really good coach. Talk about Coach Philbin and someone that you've been around for so long and mm-hmm. how important and, and what a fit that would be. Well, i got great respect for Joe, too. He's a tremendous coach here. Uh, we caught a lot of crap for hiring him out of Harvard. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, would have been good if it was a junior high quiz, but not for football. So, you know, but he did an excellent job here. He's an excellent coach with Green Bay. Like they set records when he was a coordinator there. Um, you know, had a cup of coffee as an NFL head coach, which is how that works typically. And, uh, yeah, I got a great, great person, great football coach, and, you know, yeah, no question about that. Sounds like we've got a couple of Tennessee supporters in, uh, in the YouTube comments. We will talk about Tennessee here in a little bit. Just a lot to unpack with the, uh, the Hawks. I haven't talked about them. I've got a lot of nice too. things to say about Knoxville, so stay tuned. I've heard it's a, a great uh, – we've got a colleague uh, who is a, a UT grad outside of this building. Camille. Oh, Camille, of yeah. course. Yeah, yeah. Camille Gear from uh, WQAD, correct? That is correct, yeah. Yeah. Um, one of our, our sports colleagues uh, is a proud, proud, proud volunteer for sure. Oh, and you said you lived in Knoxville, right, didn't you? Yeah. About, oh, you uh, did. uh, yeah, I was a photog at WBIR, the number one station in Knoxville. They're Flex. the NBC, NBC affiliate down there. <laughs> Flex. Flex. Flex, yeah. Um, I was like, yes, I think they are the Fox affiliate, too. Yeah, I, I worked at the best station there. Uh, best, best one, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, incredible station. Oh, man, love that place. Cool. Um, but, yeah, great city. Um, I would, yeah, move back there in a heartbeat if uh, if there were, you know, a possibility of that happening. I, I really love Knoxville. It's, uh, like, perfect climate um, right between the south and the north where it's like gets a little chilly. You get four seasons, but um, just beautiful weather year-round. You know, uh, Keller Christ, Paul's nephew, who's an offensive analyst for Iowa, is a former Tennessee quarterback. Okay, right? wow. A team All captain. the world connecting right team now. Team captain in 2018. Of course, he, uh, he he started at Stanford, and maybe that's a, a connection that, that brings Paul to Iowa City. What do we think about the OC search? Do we have – you guys have a favorite? Pat Hardy's report was a – was that a week, a week and a half ago? Was that it's a done deal with Philbin, according to somebody he knows that has – he really respects their opinion and, and their insight and their connections. Um we don't know yet. Yeah. It doesn't sound like we'll know until sometime next week, if not later. I think either one would be a good fit for this yeah. this program. I think if you were just a national fo- college football fan and you looked at him, you'd kind of scoff, like, of course. Because <laughs> uh, Paul Chris, when he was at Wisconsin, similar style to Iowa, yeah. running the ball, that's your first thing. Um, but that style gets mocked nationally. So I think when you look at it, 
on paper from na- national perspective, it might look like bad hires, but I think Paul Christ would be an excellent hire. Um, and that's who I kind of, as a fan would prefer. And, you know, only cause I'm a Packer fan and, and you think that I'd like Felbin, but I always thought it was just Rogers who carried the team to a Super Bowl in 2010. Just if we're going to going to go off my Packer fandom, if, if we want to do that, <laughs> I was I was wanting to get to the bottom of that because right after his name first came out, you you said something out like, "Oh, he sucked as the as the Packers OC," but I, I don't think he did. I mean, yeah, help help him win a Super Bowl, right? Like, what's your what's your beef with Philbin? Oh, we just should have went to more Super Bowls around that time. <laughs> like, I mean, we, we were we were only the best Bowl. team in the world. <laughs> if you look once. at the playoffs and you know, <laughs> loss to the Cardinals and that crazy East too, in most of it. Wasn't his fault because the defense was uh, the ones losing all those games. But uh, just going off on a tangent, but <laughs> I just have a fond memory. And then the Miami Dolphins stint did not work out. It was yeah, he was on Hard Knocks. Yeah, don't forget Joe Philbin was on. I think that was the first season of Hard Knocks I watched. Uh-huh. Was his first year, but he was an excellent coach here at Iowa in that first Kirk Ferentz run when they went to the Orange Bowl. Yep. Um, so I don't doubt that he would be an effective offensive coordinator. On the it, collegiate level, it seems like after that initial Philbin announcement, it, I mean, I don't know. It seems like people have backed off from that a little bit. Uh, choose who you want to believe. Pat Hardy said Philbin. Um, when I talked to David Eichel today, um, you'll hear a little bit more about this again on the Eye on the Hawks TV version. But he seemed way more uh, confident that Paul Chris would be the guy to get the job. Um, that's what he he thought. If he looks inside his crystal ball, he thought that Paul Chris would be the guy. Just you know maybe better fit for uh, Kirk's system. And something that could play a factor along the way is that I asked him if, if whoever takes over is going to be the quarterback's coach. And he said if, if Chris comes in, he, he could be the guy that's a quarterback's coach as well. Philbin, probably not. Um, they would probably go with somebody else, but um, you know if that if that is something they're looking for, Chris would be the guy. It's added benefit. I don't think they – I mean, I know Brian was the quarterback's coach this past year, and it's just when you look at that, you're like a former offensive lineman – I know he's a great position coach, offensive lineman, tight end, but how effective can someone with that background be at coaching quarterback? You know, who knows? Um, there's some good questions in the comments right now. Ari Gold, and I want to throw out your way. How much will the next OC actually get to change any of the offensive strategy? I don't think the strategy and philosophy changes, but I think play calling approach, play design approach, um, that can certainly change, and and people will tell you that that makes all the difference. Yep. People weren't people weren't huge on Greg Davis's tenure, I guess overall uh, at Iowa. But you go back and look at those box scores; those teams put up numbers, mm. particularly in the past. I mean, Jake Rudock again got ran out of town. Rudock had big games yeah. throwing the ball, and a lot of it was just get guys in open space. Whereas Brian's, I think, is a lot more meticulous of like just down to like the little, almost like, mm-hmm. I, I don't really know. No, I know what you're trying just to Just very intricate in, in how it goes, whereas Greg's was more like, go find a gap and be there. That's why I wonder if his time in the NFL kind of did that. Because I feel like when, you're, when your players are 18, 19, 20, and they're still learning the collegiate level, like just, I don't want to say dumb it down, but be simple. Yeah, especially and, if you've got dudes that can get open and, and, yeah. and go make plays, just let them go do that. I did think in terms of the, the quarterback coach, so Jimmy Sullivan is this kid out of Fort Wayne who is the quarterback commit. Was that just last week that he committed to Iowa? Yeah. And usually when these commits are like posting pictures from their visits or whatever, it's typically with Kirk and then either like their side of the ball coordinator or their position coach. And John Budmeyer 
was in the picture with Jimmy Sullivan and Kirk Ferentz, which told me, like, is he the acting quarterback coach? Because normally you're not going to get an assistant to the head coach or an analyst in a recruiting picture. Mm -hmm. So it feels like John's got some sort of bigger position, which we've kind of talked about for better part of a year now, is probably yeah. in the wings. That makes for, sense. Again, but if Paul Christ rolls in, and I'd probably side with uh, Ike Holt's thought and your thought of the guy who's won more Big Ten West titles than your head coach, if you can bring him in on the staff and everything that he did. I mean, that Wisconsin offense, kind of like I was not flashy, but when they had their hog mollies and had their backs, that team moved the ball as good as anybody. Uh, yeah, that'd be a heck of a pickup. But if, if Joel Philbin is your quote-unquote consolation prize, it's, that's not a bad way to go. A guy who's seen a lot of football, has coached a lot of football, and has spent this year with Ohio State, and that's a team that knows a little something about offense. The biggest thing that could change, I mean, obviously, like play calling and situational stuff is a big thing that's going to change from one coordinator to the next, but development is another thing we've talked yeah. about a lot, especially at that quarterback spot. And, um, I mean, that development just has not been there the last few years, especially when we had Petrus and Padilla around. It just wasn't happening. Um, and so you, you got to hope that with – Bud Mare on staff especially, um, that that quarterback development takes takes another big step. Speaking, oh, go ahead. Oh, along those same lines, I mean, having a healthy Cade. I mean, like. Yeah. We haven't seen a healthy no, Cade yet. and Ari, the same guy on the comments made this. Will he be healthy, and is he reliable? Like, those are two huge questions. Like, yeah. if he is, I want, I want to say he wasn't 100%, like, when he was playing, mm -hmm. and that limited the offense with the bootlegs and stuff that they like to run, if he's not up to speed that will change how this offense is run so I mean and then obviously with all the injuries they face in the tight end spot if, if that happens again like then you can't expect the offense to make a major jump they do need like tight ends and if it's Lachey all if whoever comes back and Addison Ostranga I feel really confident about those guys mm -hmm. uh, moving forward next year yep. Addison was as productive as anybody yep. uh, in, in the final the final games of the regular season and uh, in the in the Big Ten title game. Speaking of quarterbacks, though, Tennessee is losing one, but getting to the guy that maybe the whole fan base has been waiting to see finally start for a while. Uh, Joe Milton just a couple of hours ago announced he is going to go focus on the NFL draft. He will be there in Orlando, is in Orlando. He will not play, though. Nico, I'm going to try not to butcher his name. I've been spending all morning trying to... Uh, say it and I'm in the moment. I don't know if I can. Nico Iamaliava, I didn't, I didn't nail it. That's a seven out of 10. Hmm. Uh, we'll get his first career start. He was the number two overall prospect in the class of 23, the number one quarterback. He has got as much hype as any high school. He was the guy when NIL really started going of like, here's a guy who in high school has his own kind of NIL brand and, and can start going. He's played sparingly for the Vols, uh, got a touchdown pass against UConn, but he's he's now the guy and people have been waiting all year for him, as, as good as Joe Milton's been, and he's a top 10 quarterback prospect in the draft. Nico's a dude they feel can take them to the next level. He's the first big quarterback prospect for Josh Heupel in Knoxville. People are super, super excited about him. And of course, not only Joe Milton opting out, Jalen Wright, a thousand yard rusher for the Vols and all SEC performer, also out too. And again, half the secondary for, for Tennessee has opted out as well. So uh, it's not also an edge rusher yeah, opt out too. I, I think Tyler. Edge rushers is, is listen, it's not totally Kentucky last year. Um, 
Nico, all due respect to Destin Wade, Nico's better than Destin Wade. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't need to watch a whole lot more of Nico to see that. Uh, We've got a very interesting situation here. I know Phil Parker's defense is up to the task far, far, far more often than not, but uh, you got six days to prep for this guy or five days to prep for this guy. A little that tape. That, you that's don't have, the part. don't have a lot of tape. I'm almost more he nervous. He doesn't have a lot of experience. Yeah. His experience comes against... UConn uh, and a couple of the smaller schools, Vanderbilt, I think he got in uh, late. It's a very interesting situation for sure. It is. You know what it reminded me of? And I watched um, the highlights of it uh, this past week when I was stuck in my house with COVID. But um, the, the, one of the times we went to the Citrus Bowl, but it was known as the Capital One Bowl back in 2005 against LSU. Yeah. I'm forgetting the starter's name because he... Ended up leaving, and guess Jamarcus who came Russell in? Jamarcus Russell came in. Jamarcus Russell came in in the fourth quarter. Oh, but what Matt, was the dude's Matt name? Flynn came in in the Matt third Flynn quarter, was... and they have like wow. these maybe the greatest quarter... Packers quarterback of the last twenty years. <laughs> he had a great game against the Lions. Um, <laughs> Got him thirty million dollars. And but uh, that just reminded me of just, and this isn't middle of the game. This is he's going to be the starter, but this heralded recruit comes in, and there's hardly any tape. As Iowa's defense is good, and there's hardly any opt outs on our side. I don't think there are any except a few that uh, from the second and third string that are, are transferring so far. Um, but that always concerns me when you have this uh, quarterback who, you know, has a lot of talent. You don't have any, you don't know what he's capable of, you he's know. big too. 6'6", six, yeah. six, was listed at 200. I know they've they've made an effort to to get some more bark, bulk on him. Marcus Randall was the uh, LSU yes, starter. Because yes, yes. I knew it was a lot like Jamarcus Russell. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Nico Iamalialva, I think I got it that time. Will be your, He's your almost on Tua status where you just say the first name. No, Tagovailoa. Um, you mentioned the low opt-out numbers. I asked Jay about this again last week. He hadn't made his decision yet. A couple of guys for Iowa in the transfer portal, but I just asked him about it. It seems like every year, aside from Tyler Goodson and Kayvon Merriweather, not a lot of guys opt out. They want to come back and play. And uh, just asked Jay about the, the philosophy of that and why so many Hawkeyes – don't decide to, to skip out on their final game. I, I just think it's uh, the culture we have here. Um, you know, I, there's not like the coaching staff is telling us, hey, guys, don't don't opt out for the bowl game or anything. But I don't know. It's just that's just not a thing here. Like we guys just don't really do that. Um, I mean, just being a leader, I, I wouldn't want to get my my defense here and then tell them, like, ah, like I'm, I'm out of here. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it, it just doesn't sit right with me. I feel like a lot of guys uh, feel that same way. And, you know, I mean, you sit out the bowl game. It's not the worst thing that can happen. Um, I mean, last year, uh, Kayvon decided to do that. Obviously, he's he's a starter at NFL. So I think that worked out for him pretty well. <laughs> and then we saw what X could do. Um, so, you know, I don't – it's not the end of the world. Uh, but a lot of guys here just don't do that. Mike saw this, and we'll, we'll clarify for people watching on the YouTube channel. Jay has gloves on, not because he's a germaphobe, because they literally walked off the practice field <clears> and, uh, <throat> into interviews last Monday. So I noticed that every, I think, both sound bites we had, he, uh, his yeah. hands are the first thing in the shot. And you're like, why does he have linebacker? Like, why does he have gloves on right yeah. now? He was fresh off the practice field there. I, I want to invite our, if we do still have some Vols fans in the, in the YouTube uh, 
comment section, feel free to sound off and uh, put any input that you might have for us just because, uh, you know, our, our knowledge of UT is uh, a little bit limited right now. So um, feel free to let us know if, uh, if this Nico kid, had, if you have any special insight about him or if there's anybody else, just because I know that this Tennessee team is a whole bunch of question marks coming into this. There game. are some fun Iowa ties with Josh Heupel, though. Josh Heupel played collegiately at... I thought he was. I don't know. Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Okay, yeah. Where his head coach was Bob Stoops. Stoops. He was recruited to Oklahoma by a man who revolutionized offense. Chuck Long. At Iowa Wesleyan. Oh, no. Mike Leach. Mike Leach. Okay. Josh Heupel was like his first recruit. Wasn't Chuck Long on that coaching staff, too? He might have been, yeah. Yes. I I just. Who's our OC? I don't know. Mike, Leach, Mike, Mike, Le- Hype was there. Mike Leach was the OC in, in, in this case. Okay. Um, I read Leach's autobiography last year after he passed away, and there, there's a really fun section about him just like hyper focused on Josh Heupel and bringing him in, and he was like, "This is the guy that's going to make my offense go," and all that. Mm. Yeah, worked out pretty darn yeah. well for him and the Sooners. Um, so some fun, uh, some fun Iowa ties for Josh Heupel, who is one of those guys who reminds me and, and probably anybody else listening to this that we're. We're not that young anymore because I remember Josh Heupel playing college football. Um, but he's had a heck of a coaching career, and a lot of folks hope he's, he's the dude in, in Knoxville. There's been flashes, and again, Nico is, is his quarterback. We will get to, after the break, our picks for Iowa's game. We'll go into the CFP, and of course, Iowa State's in Memphis right now getting ready for a game in a couple days against Memphis in the Liberty Bowl. So we'll take a break, and we'll make those picks after this. I've been fact-checked, Owen. So, I have some information. I, I, w- I had a Dakota connection for Hypel. I, di- I couldn't remember what, but yeah, he was from South Dakota. He was, went to Aberdeen Central High School um, and then went to Weber State for a couple years. Wait, is it Weber State or Weber State? Weber State. I never remember. Weber State, then Snow College, then just spent his one year at Oklahoma. In 2000, Hypel's one season at Oklahoma. Chuck Long, former Iowa quarterback, was his quarterback's coach. Um, a couple years later, of course, Chuck Long was the co-OC with the Sooners, but that one year in 2000 when they uh, they won the Natty that year, right? So, yeah. Uh, that was Chuck Long and, yep. and Josh Heupel holding I, it down. I believe uh, you said Snow College. I yeah. think that's where Damon Powell came from. That's a, a bit of a deep cut for the Hawkeye receiving core, but he, uh, he came to Iowa City as a JUCO transfer and small but speedy, man. Hey, that dude could fly. We have another Iowa connection <laughs> for Here Snow go. College. Here's a good one. Jackson Vroman. Remember, yeah. remember him? Former Iowa State kid? That's right. Um, Get out of here, that name. Star, <laughs> Star Latulale, if you remember him. Bronco Snake. Mendenhall. Yeah. Um, Snow Community College, Damon Powell, yeah. Yep. Aaron Boone. Booney. Aaron Boone, there you go. Aaron Bleepin' Boone. Garrett Bowles. Yep, they've got some. That's Matt Asiata. That's a guy who's... Uh, Managed a game at the Field of Dreams. Yeah. All right, right, let's get into these picks here. We're going to start with Iowa State. That's the first game on the docket. Cyclones, one of the bigger surprises in the Big 12, you could argue, in all of FBS. Uh, just decimated by the gambling pro, but came up and, and have had a really, really nice season. We're in the fight for a, a Big 12 division title there and, and going to a, a title game there for a bit in November. They are a 10.5-point favorite. Despite being the road team, literally playing Memphis in Memphis in the Liberty Bowl, that's a two thirty kick Friday on ESPN. Do we think the Cyclones can not only win but cover by more than a score and a half? Do we think now that the season's over that I don't want to say because Hendrick Decker's you know season was out, but that it was 
in hindsight, and I don't want to say a good move, good thing that it happened, but like Rocco Beck's good. Yep, he's a good really quarterback. Good. He's yeah, he's he, he's growing a lot from that Iowa Ohio back to back. Wasn't that back to back weeks? Whatever. Yeah. Um, those two losses, but yeah, come seven and five after those two weeks, that's really impressive. Their names. It's also, and this is getting a little off topic and in the weeds, but man, Iowa State so many times over the last like fifteen years have had a has had a guy shine for like half a season or a whole yeah. season. You're like they've got their quarterback now, whether it's. Steel Jance or Sam Richardson or Jared Barnett or Jacob Park or Austin Arnott, who was, I mean, he started quite a few games. Brett Meyer was a, a multi-year starter, but so, really post them, they've had so many guys. You You're thought like, we're going to be the next the one. Dude. And yeah. then it's just like, you know, Jacob Park ends up transferring. Steel Jance doesn't finish in Iowa State. It's, you know, I hope that doesn't happen to Rocco Beck. I really yeah. like this kid. He's fun to watch. Well, he announced that yesterday he was coming back. So yeah. well, yeah, I, I didn't, he, I didn't I, know if he actually was going to hit the portal. He, but Yeah, I was like, well, he's a freshman. I yeah. keep forgetting the por- portal's a thing still. I'm like, oh, why wouldn't he come back? He's 19 years old. Yeah, um, yeah, he's he's going to be a fun one. I hope he stays names, and I hope he has all the success in the world. But does he lead the Cyclones to that bowl win in Memphis? I, I don't know if this is breaking news or not. I just checked out of curiosity, but Hunter Deckers is no longer on the Cyclones roster. I know for most of the football season yeah, I don't he was he, on the roster. Oh, was he? Yeah. yeah. I just assumed he was. He, he was still there at least like three quarters of the way through the season. I okay. checked to see, and oh, yeah, he is still there, but he is not on the roster right gotcha. now. I think, you know, another thing, and the only, I was going to mention the the opt-outs, the only person opting out I've seen so far is TJ Tampa made it official today Just, that yeah. he's he's gone, which makes sense because he could be a first-round pick, a first he's, or second round. He was the only other guy from either of the schools that was like a lock for a first two-round pick after Cooper DeGene. Tampa's kind of a mid-second-round guy, it looks like. I'm going to pick Iowa State to cover here. Uh, I don't know. I kind of like Memphis, especially with Tampa going out. I mean, boy, Iowa State under the radar, had one of the best secondaries in the country. I mean, I think they were at least at the toward the top, if not the top team in the nation in interceptions this year. Um, but TJ Tampa was a big reason why. Boy, Memphis knows how to score. Um, they have scored no fewer than 28 points in any game this season. Um, even in their losses, they put up 31, 34, 38 points. Um, I kind of like Memphis to keep this one a little bit closer. Yeah, I think Memphis can cover. I, I'm excited to see what Abu Sama does again. He was, mm. that was so fun against Kansas. Is it going to snow in, uh, yeah, in if, Memphis? If, if there's a foot of snow on the ground in Tennessee, <laughs> watch out. He, man, he was so fun to watch uh, at, at Southeast Polk. Um, and, man, it's, it's awesome to see him go again as a, a true freshman doing what he's doing. And Speaking of Southeast yeah, Polk alums. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Caden Proctor's Alabama Crimson Tide, a point and a half underdog against the Big Ten champion undefeated Michigan. A lot of people in this CFP semi, Monday at 4 o'clock, seem to be picking Alabama. What do we think? Ah, man, (laughs) you know, I thought after that championship game, I thought Michigan, you know, deserved the number one seed. And the more that I think about it, I think it's going to piss me off on Monday, but I think Alabama's going to go back to the national title game, even though I don't believe they deserve to be in the field to begin with. Boy, we were in the car driving back from Indy, streaming the selection show. and Taking the tide, though. <laughs> and the reaction in the car of Alabama being selected over Florida Man. State. Man. <laughs> like I told you it was going to happen. I have nothing against Alabama. Not well, great, but. I guess I do because they win all the time. <laughs> it's just if you're undefeated in a Power Five, I thought you should get in. That's, you even, go. even if your quarterback is hurt. The, you know, the it's weird, like a it's almost like having 
Power Five conferences and only having four playoff spots was never going to work. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The weird thing is that even if Georgia had won that game and it wasn't Bama there, then Florida State was, still would have been out because Texas would be in and Florida State was out. So it's like it's just weird because I mean we're just hashing this out a month afterward. But yeah, like if you put <laughs> we have Florida State at four the week before, then keep them at four if they win. Yeah, yeah. we're so off topic on all this. <laughs> We have four games to pick. We've been on for seven should be there. Guys. Yeah, it's it's absurd. Um, would it actually piss you off more to see Alabama win this game versus Michigan? I feel like they're both like the team, the most oh, yeah. two most hated teams in America right if now. Michigan wins though. I mean, to me, I, like Michigan. I have nothing against them because they, they they just beat Iowa. Like it's like, hey, you yeah. know why we lost and couldn't score against them? It's because they Michigan are, is think, playing in the national title game. I think Michigan is like supercharged Iowa. I mean, the philosophies are. Very much the same, ground and pound. Except they cheat, so. <laughs> Allegedly. I'll take Alabama to cover. Same, same Z's, Alabama. All right, no moving on now to time. the Texas Longhorns, a four-and-a-half-point favorite over Pac-12 champion Washington in the late semifinal. Do we think the Longhorns? I, I predicted in the car, like, immediately once the – the lineups were out there, the, the selections and the teams were out there, that it was going to be a Bama-Texas championship game. Mm. What do you guys So think? you got to pick Texas? Or are you saving? I'm going to take Washington to cover. Oh, okay. Um, this is t- like, Michael Penix is great. Caleb DeBoer doesn't lose games. I don't know how they're <laughs> that big of an under. They beat yeah. Oregon twice. Oregon would be a college ball playoff team if they didn't play in the same conference as Washington. Like, no, 100%. And I think... wild. <laughs> I think the spread is a little too much. And Texas looked great in the Big 12 title game. They but did, but against Oklahoma State, I mean, yeah, ex- yeah. I, they, they deserved the to be there, the Cowboys did, but it's just like they aren't on the same level as these teams that they're playing. And Washington has played two, well, it's Oregon the same time, but I mean, I, I like Penix and I like this team and I think they're going to shock this is and gonna win be, outright. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they went out. I think this is going to be such a fun game. Was right. that Oklahoma and Ohio State? Baker Mayfield senior year. Georgia. Georgia, where it was just an absolute I think, right? shoot. I think that sounds right. I think this could be the 2023-2024 edition of that, where it's just popcorn, enjoy the show. Mm-hmm. I, I was going to more compare to even just in more recent games, the, that TCU-CFP game last oh, year. Oh, sure, yeah. That, I mean, good grief, that game was incredible. <laughs> the only thing that concerns me about our picks, though, and is just that Texas D-line could probably cause some issues for Penix back there, but it, I, I do think their offense is, can scheme their way around really the it. pass rush. It shows how much I follow the college football world because like, I just assumed that Penix was the Heisman guy. Like, I just thought, like, oh, this is Penix, Penix won to lose, and then Jaden Daniels goes out there and wins. His second run. half of the season wasn't as, as really? explosive and stat-driven as his first. Yeah. Um, but but I, I do like Washington to win this game. I think that uh, it'll be Washington-Bama final. And uh, Are we picking a championship? I mean, I guess I would not say a, Not officially, but who do, who do we take out of whatever your decision Alabama. is? Alabama. It's, usually it's just I, I end up getting pissed because an SEC team wins. Has to Shout be. out to all the Vols fans yeah. out there. But <laughs> I won't be shocked if Alabama wins. I'm going to pick Washington to win, though. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I just, I'd love to see it. Go look at Caleb DeBoer's like career record. Mm-hmm. Congrats, Nathan Santo Domingo, former meteorologist, big oh boy, big the, uh, dogs fan. The fighting Santo Domingos for sure. <laughs> um, and then we come back to Orlando, New Year's Day noon on ABC. Tennessee was an eight and a half point favorite. Somehow, I just checked yesterday and it was, wasn't it? Like it, they, Mil- Milton opting out dropped this thing two points, oh. which is 
That's interesting because I think that with the quarterback, I don't know if he's a two-point pay- yeah. player, but I don't know a whole lot about setting lines either. So as my overall record this season can prove, um, so it's six and a half point favorites now over the Hawkeyes. If this was full strength versus full strength, I mean Tennessee, it. I think they're like top 20 in the country total offense. They gain almost, I think, more than 450 a game, score about 30 points. I think a full strength with their defense, I think, I think I'd choose them to win um, in a close one. I think with all the opt-outs, especially with the secondary, I know Iowa has statistically one of the worst offenses to say it every week, but um, with those missing players on defense, you're going to have young players that need to step up and, and prevent, you know, Iowa's offense from from getting the necessary amount of points to win the game. I think it's if it was a closer spread, I might pick Tennessee, but I'm going to pick Iowa to cover that six and a half. I am still honestly really surprised to see Tennessee as a favorite with the amount of people that they've had opt out. Just I feel like with especially with a, a freshman QB in there, I feel like their defense is going to just like make his life miserable in that game. Um, I think that. There are not going to be a lot of explosive plays. I'd be curious to see if they let the ball fly a little bit more uh, with a super inexperienced secondary going out there. Um, but I think that they can exploit their defense enough that I'm for sure, like this is an easy one for me to pick Iowa to keep it within six and a half at least. I think Iowa keeps it within as well. Watch them lose by seven and <laughs> goes out. But um, this kid is really, really good. Yeah. And I, it, I wouldn't be shocked. And maybe it's the old experience I have of watching Iowa play Terrell Pryor and, and a couple of, I mean, this kid hasn't proven to be Terrell Pryor yet, but he was very similar in terms of like the number one quarterback prospect, a, a transcendent talent who's also, I think Pryor was six, six and he was a couple years experience once he played uh, Iowa, but just a dude who moves, who's that big, who does a little more against uh, those were Norm Parker defenses, but interested to see what he does Against again, an Iowa defense that's going to be well rested. It's very stout. Doesn't give up explosive plays, but we're going to, we're going to learn a lot about this kid, and uh, yep. we'll see what happens with that. But I'll take Iowa to cover. Is oh. there a, is there a a easy factor that Iowa and, I, and this sounds cliche, but wants it more? The, the kind of the program that they don't have opt outs. They want eleven wins. They'd be the fifth program team in Iowa program history to get eleven wins. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee, you know, and the SEC, I don't want to speak for them, but it's all about titles and championships and, and you know, that this is going to be a good ma- uh, a game for Nico to, to grow and play his first start. I wonder if that has anything to do with it. It's, it's a little cliche sports talk, but... I get it, though. I feel like... I don't know if it's a matter of wanting it more, but I think the proof is there in the number of guys for Iowa that are playing this game regardless of what their decision is going to be. I think that that speaks a lot, and we've heard so many guys talk about it, just this team feels super, super bonded and and together and familial, and I I can't speak to how Tennessee feels and and those guys because they're human beings and they've gone through their experiences together and had incredible highs last year too and, and have dealt some stuff this year as well, but, I mean... There are more Hawkeyes sticking around to play than, than there are volunteers, and I, I do think that that speaks a lot of just how much they want to be together. I don't know if that translates into quote-unquote wanting it more, but um, I, it's, to your credit, sounds maybe a little cheesy, but 
it's college sports. We all get a little cheesy. <laughs> yeah. it. Fe- feels like a little bit, I don't know, yeah, I don't know if it's more of an accurate term to say, like more to play for. Um, and uh, I think you put this in, and I didn't realize this, in, in some of our graphics for the Iowa Hawks TV version, that Tennessee has played in 20 more bowl games than Iowa, I think you said? Yeah. I mean, I feel like a bowl game is is a little more of a pedestrian uh, encounter for them, maybe. Whereas I preface still- it with Iowa before the Rose Bowl in '58, they didn't play in a bowl game at all, and yeah. Tennessee played in bowl games until since '36. Really? So I don't know what's up with Iowa not accepting bowls, or I know they went undefeated in '21, didn't go to a bowl game. It's weird. I wasn't there. There's some history okay. back there. <laughs> yeah. So I'll just preface it with that. But yeah, Speak go on. Ask Phil Parker. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. I feel like a, a, just a, a bowl game. I mean, Citrus Bowl is a nice bowl game, um, but uh, it's it's a little bit more middle of the road for a program like Tennessee. And so um, Iowa has maybe a little bit more to play for. I mean, playing for that 11th win means a lot to them, I think. So maybe that means a little bit more to them. Yeah. Uh, over under set at this game at 36 and a half. Riding that under still? Oh, that's a lot of points for an Iowa game. <laughs> Feels like it. I'll go under with the opt-outs, and uh, you got to ride the Iowa under. Yeah. yeah. Maybe like a 21-3 to 3 game, something like that. Yeah. We should tease the Eye on the Hawks, the, the TV show. It's the first airs on Thursday. Um, because you put together a top 10 plays of the year, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So I think we'll, we'll post that on YouTube as well, I, I think. Yes. Um, for the sake of time, uh, for the TV version, I think I had to – snip it back to top five plays of the year however um the top 10 plays will be uh i'll post it on on our website and on youtube and everything sure. too so they'll, they'll be there you've got a really cool interview with one great iowa punter talking about another great iowa punter that's mm-hmm. super fun to uh, yeah. get into that as well yeah fun chatting with jason baker um an iowa legend from the late 90s early 2000s one of those Few rare players who split the Hayden Fry slash Kirk Ferentz era. He was a junior when when Kirk came in and had some interesting stories about that that we'll save for a story down the road that we're going to do with Jason, hopefully. Um, but had some interesting insight on on Torrey Taylor, who he um, compared to one of the Iowa greats. He said that outside of Nate Kading, um, he's the best special teams player in, in Iowa history. High praise. You see there, if you're watching on the YouTube channel, again, Eye on the Hawks on Twitter, Iowa's News Now on YouTube and Instagram. Uh, another shout out to Greg Morris, who is another guy who crossed Hayden Fry and Kirk Ferentz. He will be retiring uh, a week from Monday. So all the best to Greg Morris, the equipment manager for a long time for Hawkeye football and just a darn good guy from Solon as well. So we'll be back here sometime after the bowl game recap and everything. Owen and Mike's coverage from Orlando starts Friday on Iowa's News Now. So tune in for that. We'll see you on the other side on the next edition of Iron the Hawks.